It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to this week's double edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and I'm still a bit stunned by one of the results from this week, though I predicted the other, so I can't say I was surprised by that one. With me, as always, to discuss both of these is my co-host, Jessica Lewis. I love that you had to throw that out right in your introduction, that you were half right. Well, yeah. You got to go there first. I'm surprised you didn't also say, and my co-host, who is completely wrong with both of her predictions, shocking, right? Is that what you wanted to say? uh, Maybe. (laughs) Well, yes, I was completely wrong. Yeah, luckily you said it for me. I did, because I just needed to be the first one to put that out there. Because I know you're just you're just waiting. You want to rub that in my face. I I would never do such a Mm, thing. Okay. Okay. Yes, you were half right. I was completely wrong. And wow, what an episode. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, the part that I was right about was Parvati getting voted out, of course. Um, But, you know. Props to my winner pick, Sophie, and the rest of her tribe for winning immunity after getting rid of that dead weight Rob last week. So, you know, they didn't even have to go back to tribal council, which both of us were kind of presuming they would in our predictions. Mm-hmm. And props to my winner pick. Hi, taking out the queen. That's true. That's I true. Think, I think both of our winner picks did very, very well this week. Very well. Yeah, no. Remember the week before last when I predicted that Sandra would get voted out and people laughed at me and made fun of me because she had a must use idol. Mm. Yeah, too bad. Too bad. I didn't make that accidental prediction this past week. Instead, I'd have looked like a friggin genius. Uh, you would have too, right, man. Yeah. Nobody expected that for sure, but we've got, <laughs> we'll get there, right? We'll get there. I want to get ahead of oh, everything. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But a really incredible episode. Yeah. And, you know, as we're moving to talk about it, you know, we, we should note that even though we have two players who are widely considered to be among the best, we will still treat them the same as anyone else. Uh, and that means comparing their games to the rules I originally wrote way back after season one and have been modifying since that point, including several mentions of, you know, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll look at all the non-spoiler information available to us from what we saw on TV, CBS All Access clips and social media. Now, the latest version of the rules is still available at robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or, of course, anyone can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form at tinyurl slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes, they are only $20. They're 11 by 17. They look fabulous in a frame. And if you'd like to make arrangements to get a poster and you are outside of the United States, just contact me through Twitter. You can DM me. And we can make arrangements for that. Shipping will be a little bit more expensive, but we can make it work. 
That's right. But most of the people who are, well, all the people who are in the U.S., they can just go to that link, uh, tinyurl.com slash davidrollsposter2, and they don't even need to bother you on Twitter. Yeah, but they well, certainly yeah, they can, can if they want to. Right. They could say hi. Sure. All right. All right. Well, usually there are a couple things to discuss before heading into the rules, but I really don't have anything to say this week because over two thirds of what was happening in the episode will be covered within our discussion about Parvati and Sandra. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to talk about before we head in that direction? No, I just really this was an episode that was just I know I've already said it, but it was an incredible episode. It was so interesting to watch the strategies that were coming together and the way that people were playing the game. So yeah, I think we should dive right in because there's a lot of things to talk about. All right. Well, last week I noted that Rob came in as one of the two top targets. Well, the other one was Sandra and probably close behind those two was Parvati. It may seem obvious where Sandra went wrong, but what was the motivation behind it? And, you know, was that the only problem? Mm. Could Parvati have done anything differently to stick around longer for her part? It's time to figure out why Parvati and Sandra lost. Last week, we started with the sixth rule. And since we're talking about two more people who've been said to be on the survivor Mount Rushmore, it makes sense to do it again, as this rule warns against being too much of a threat. In Sandra's case, she literally still had a statue of her head out there, just like Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. And she is, of course, the only two-time winner. Well, at least until now. Um, everybody knew she was coming in with a huge target. But unlike Rob, she generally hadn't been trying to take complete control of the game. So it wasn't necessary to target her right out of the gate. She also didn't have known allies slash friends like Rob did. So it's not terribly surprising to me that she lasted as long as she did. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Sandra was that it's almost like she recognized that about herself, that she was going to be a target, but she didn't let it change the way that she actually played the game. She didn't let it bother her. She just knew that that was a thing, that people are going to want to take out the queen, but I'm going to move about the game like I would anybody but me until we get here. But I think for the most part, she was kind of following that same philosophy and how she was going to downplay her threat level because she wasn't trying to run the show she although she was involved in some decisions and leading the vote slightly on uh, i think a couple of episodes ago she kind of pushed the vote in a particular direction i think for the most part i mean this the sandra sit out bench she wasn't being a physical threat so i think in sandra's mind she was doing all she could to kind of minimize her threat level because this is who she is and this is how she plays and why are you worried about me I'm not a physical threat, and I'm just out here helping people rally the numbers and vote people out we can all agree on. Yeah, and uh, also remember that when Wendell called her the queen uh, right at the beginning of the game, she was like, no, no, don't say that. Shh, right. No, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her, her general route to sticking around as long as she did was just to play the game and work with her own allies plus Yule and company. And it, it didn't hurt that she was on the same tribe as two people with whom she had a pregame alliance either. But once again, we saw that as soon as she was outside the bubble of her original tribe, there was at least one person on the other tribe who wanted to, well, dethrone the queen, much like happened with Rob last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that that's what makes the swap such an interesting moment in the game 
Because when you start to feel comfortable in your surroundings and with the people that you're playing the game with, you have a tendency to stop worrying about the other people who are also playing the game and the effect that those people could have on your game. Because you've you've made yourself comfortable and kind of like your little family over here now with your tribe and you know what's happening inside of your tribe. All of a sudden, new people are now thrown into the mix and you have to still manage to play the game you've been playing with those people who are still with you, but then add these other people to the mix. And we see it more often than not. It throws people off and it does throw people's games off because you're no longer in that same comfortable space that you were in. And unfortunately, even though Sandra had the numbers and you could tell she was very excited (laughs) about having the numbers, she didn't utilize that in the manner in which we thought Sandra would, you know, Sandra's always had this philosophy, anybody but me. And this was the first time we saw her really kind of play with that idea and try to switch things up. So I do think that she could have benefited from the swap. And unfortunately she didn't allow it to help her game actually caused her own demise really. All right. Yeah. Well, um, we will expand on all of that in rules one, two, and three. I know. Um, <laughs> There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. So moving to Parvati, you know, last week we discussed how Rob lasted as long as he did. And Parvati was in the exact same boat, uh, you know, rowing along with him there uh, with several other players wanting to keep her around to use as a shield. Uh, remember that we discussed a couple weeks ago how Michelle in particular had said at a watch party that she and Jeremy flipped the vote to Ethan because Jeremy wanted to work with slash use Rob and she wanted to do the same with Parvati. It looks like that paid dividends for Michelle, at least for now, because it didn't seem like there was really ever any thought by the Yule Nick Wendell majority to vote out Michelle. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because Yule did seem to have the same mindset in regards to Sandra when he was with Sandra, that he liked having Sandra around because she was kind of a shield for him. And then to have him have an opportunity to do the same thing with Parvati, I thought that perhaps Yule would grab onto that and would want to keep Parvati around because, well, clearly there's a rift already between Wendell and Michelle. And if Parvati sticks around, maybe that can be a shield for me. I thought that maybe Yule would go down that path. Because it seems like that's what so many people were focusing on, this idea of having those shields. And obviously, Michelle was interested in having Parvati as a shield. But if she's getting voted out, that's not certainly going to help her. But I do think that <laughs> well, it's... It, it did help her for that vote. Well, sure. But it wouldn't have helped her if they decided that right. they wanted to keep Parvati for a shield because the right, other person right. that's going to go is going to be Michelle. So I do think that it's it's interesting to see the shift that occurred there. Because you will seem to be very mindful of that idea, but it didn't carry into the swap tribe, unfortunately, for Parvati. Yeah, I suspect that you will. First of all, he, he's already gotten rid of, you know, it, it, at least one thread, if not multiples. And second of all, he probably figured that Sandra would be coming back and they'd meet up at the merge again anyway. Yeah, he that is had true. his shield there. I mean, they were in the majority. So, right. you know, from that standpoint. Um, also, I think it was, you know, on the, um, on the recap podcast, we heard that, uh, from Candace that those two probably, you know, Yule and Parvati probably never spoke two words to each other, even on their original season, let alone since then. 
Well, and, and that so. was something that Parvati did mention in one of her interviews that she's done, uh, that CBS posted, that she hasn't spoken to him in 10 years. So there was right. no relationship that had formed after they played the game together, like we've seen become so prevalent in this season, where people have created those bonds and those relationships are carrying into the game. There was none of that with Ewell and Parvati. So it was it was interesting to see that they really didn't really mesh on their first season they played together, and they really didn't seem to mesh on this season either. Yeah, which just left her as a threat, you know, and and she was really never had a chance to get her footing. Uh, but there she was, this huge threat, nevertheless. You know, Wendell was on Twitter responding to both his fans and the haters who came out of the woodwork mm. and said that he hopes when they play someday, they will also go after the biggest threat in the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that this is a shocking thing for any of us. I mean, we all kind of expected that people like Parvati or Sandra or Rob wouldn't last that long because of their threat level. And we, I, at least I know for me, and I know that we've talked about it, we're surprised that they all did last as long as they did, considering the targets mm-hmm. that they were coming in with. So I, I think this idea that their threat level caused them to be voted out is actually almost the opposite. It actually caused them to stick around a lot longer than people had anticipated. Yeah, for a while until eventually, you know, catches up with you. Well, right. Because I think so. a lot of people are starting to think, where are we at in the game? We're coming up to emerge very soon. We're coming up to when the game is really going to go into high gear. And people like Rob, we don't want them to be running the show come emerge. And people like Sandra could have the ability to anybody but me philosophy get through emerge quite nicely, actually, because she's not going to be a physical threat. So I do think that that idea of where they're headed to and poverty, I mean, she's amazing in challenges. So I do think that this is something that people were very mindful of, just knowing where we at in the game with the numbers, what's happening next, and the merge is looming. So perhaps it's better that these people get taken out before we get to that point. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, now we can go back up to the first rule, which uh, rule number one, which talks about the need to scheme and plot. And speaking of number one, we learned that Parvati was both Ethan's number one and Rob's number one. Mm -hmm. And we know that Michelle wanted to be her number one. So, you know, does Parvati know how to scheme and plot? Heck yeah. People want to be her ally. There is one place where Parvati could have done a better job. And that was in the two rounds of negotiation with Wendell. He gave her an opportunity to name a name and buy his vote both before and at tribal council. Do I think he was being honest? No, not a chance. I I think he would have gladly taken her fire tokens and voted her out anyway. But she should have at least tried to make a deal with Wendell, even if she was certain, 99% sure that he wouldn't follow through with his end of the bargain. She literally had nothing to lose. As they say, you can't take it with you. Mm. Well, and here's where I think that she should have gone. I think that perhaps Wendell was not the best avenue for her to take. That first conversation that she had with Wendell, I loved her response to it. That from that, she took the information that he had provided about all, you know, basically I'll buy your vote for a couple of tokens. I'll vote whoever Mm -hmm. you want to vote with. 
She took that information and went back to Nick. And I was like, oh, this is great. We're going to see the poverty that we've all seen before. And that's the poverty that knows how to manipulate people's emotions, but also use information to her benefit. And she went right to Nick, who she knew wanted to play the game with her. She knew had this boyhood crush, if you will, you know, on poverty. <laughs> and so I was I was so anxious and excited to see that. And that's the path she went down. And she she had that conversation. So I thought maybe we're going to get somewhere with this. Clearly, it didn't go that far. But then when you get to the next component, the next negotiation that you referenced, and that's at tribal council, I feel like that could have been a moment for poverty to flip the script on Wendell and say, listen, Wendell is sitting here telling both of you, basically, that he will stab you both in the back and in the front, and he's going to be cutthroat and do anything he needs to do. And he was willing to write down either of your names if I had given him tokens. He was willing to do that. He's telling you right now in front of you during tribal council that he'll do that. So I'm going to strike up a deal with Nick and Yule and vote out Wendell. Like, I I feel like that would have been a really great flip on Wendell. I, I mean, I love Wendell, don't get me wrong. But just that was the poverty that I wanted to see is that coming through with that, you know, Kind of, I'm going to turn this, I'm going to completely flip, flip the script on the guy who's trying to pull the wool over my eyes and trying to trick me so he can get my tokens. I'm going to actually take him out of the game with this. Yeah, I think that if there was a 99% chance Wendell wasn't going to carry through with the deal, there was approximately the same chance that Yule and Nick knew exactly what Wendell was doing and they were in on it too. I I think that Nick was doing his own acting job when Parvati came to him and said, this is what Wendell said. And Nick was like, oh, wow, that's terrible. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I, I think he was acting. I think they were both that he and Ewell were acting at tribal council. It goes to what Jamal said a few weeks ago on the podcast with Rob saying you know, all of tribal council is a show. Oh, it's for theater. sure. And it is theater. And, but yeah, I feel like she could have at least put a little bit more on the table that they didn't know. Nobody knew that she had the idle nullifier. They knew that she had some tokens. So she had more tricks that she could have, that she could have utilized. And, and I just, I feel like we didn't see the, the poverty that we've known in past seasons where she's willing to take the risk. She's willing to push. And at that point in time, like if you know that you're dead in the water, I don't know why you don't just put it all on the line and say, you know what? Fine. I know I'm going home right. because this is the decision you've all made. However, I've got a chance here for anyone who's willing to take it. If you want to jump on with me, I've got some things I could give to you when we're all done. Now, and I know sitting in tribal council, you're tired, you're hungry, your brain doesn't work at the same speed. So who knows if any of that actually went through her head at the time. And of course, it's a lot easier to sit back and say, well, this is what she should have done. I just think it would have been great to see that. But I don't know if her head was necessarily in that moment the way that it is for us just watching it, you know, from our couches. Right. I mean, she did have advanced notice. She did. You know, and and I I still think, like you said, yes, she should have gone all out. Mm hmm. You know, here, take these two fire tokens, because if she gets voted out, she has to give them to someone anyway. Right. So, like I said, you can't take it with you, literally. Yeah. And then the and the idle nullifier is dead. Yeah. You can't take that with you either. So. uh, I mean, I feel like if you're offering up an idle nullifier to someone and two tokens that like, hey, I will give these to you. If I'm still here after the vote, 
you can have all of my tokens. You can have this idle nullifier, right. but I need to be here in order to give it to you. I feel like Nick and you will considering everything that was being discussed in that tribal council about how you have to be willing to stab people in the back and you have to be willing to make those decisions in this game for $2 million. I feel like at least Nick would have jumped on it. I don't know if you would have, but I think Nick would have. I, I don't think he would have. I, I think know. he is in with the group. I think he's in with the alliance that he wants to be with. And that's true. And, I mean, this was his uh, pregame you know. alliance, so who knows? But right. I just right. feel like it, and maybe it was all a show. And if it was great, you know, kudos to them for mm -hmm. making great TV. But I just, at that moment, if you know you're going home, I mean, she said she made peace with it and knew she was going to go to the edge. Don't make peace with it. Yeah. Throw stuff, right. get angry, fight you know, yes. like yeah. fight back. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like that would have been, that would have been fun, fun to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as for Sandra, well, we know she knows how to scheme and plot. She even told us at one point, I'm just going to spread truth, lies, and rumors. You know, she helped ensure Amber would be the tribe's first boot by telling Nick that Kim and Amber named him as the target because he was shady and the most recent winner. You know, and that, that was part of her modus operandi. Mm. When she heard someone say a name, she would tell the person named so people would be targeting each other instead of her. Yeah. This was always a great skill set that she's brought to this game is the ability to keep the target off of her and throw the target onto other people just by utilizing the information that she's hearing. And I think what's also very interesting about her strategy is that people know that she manages information and she also manages misinformation. So she's become mm. very good at confusing people like they don't really actually know if this is what's happening but that's the way that sandra plays the game and she's so good at the way that she does this it's it's almost like motherly when she's talking to people and telling them things it's not sinister it's just very accommodating and here's here's what i know and this is what i'm telling you is going on and i just think that the effect it has on people it throws them for a loop because they, they say, well, she seems so believable and I want to believe what she's telling me. But at the same time, she might not be because she's Sandra. And we know that this is what she does. So I, I think it's incredible to watch her manipulate individuals the way that she does in such a smooth, likable fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's also another an additional part of scheming and plotting, which the rule talks about which is making good use of sneakiness. And it was impressive that Sandra realized Tony was hiding in a spy shack. Mm -hmm. But one thing many people forget is long before Tony had his spy shack, Sandra was hiding in the bushes in Pearl Islands to overhear Burton and John talking. Yes. So, you know, whether it was doing it herself or detecting the sneakiness in others, she was definitely on top of that part of the game. Yes, and I think that that's also what has enabled her to do so well in these games is because she understands that process. And, like, she's able to read people very well, and she knows how she wants to play the game, and she knows that she's willing to she's willing to lie. She's willing to burn people's hats. You know, she's willing to, like, to get rid of food in order to, to throw the attention onto another person, even if that person is, is a close ally of hers so for her to understand when someone else is being shady it seems to make sense because that's the type of things that she's willing to do in the game too yeah now obviously there is a question we need to answer here 
if she is so good at scheming, why did she make such a bad deal with Denise? Yes. I, I think Sandra knew that she was not long for the game if she just kept going in her current path. You know, she saw the big names getting voted out. And even though it seemed like she had a good alliance, she knew that would only last for so long. So she tried to make a move that would be good for the long run, making a new potential ally in Denise while also keeping her current allies and getting a couple fire tokens that could maybe purchase security down the road. As she said on Twitter, go big or go home. I went big and I went home. Mm-hmm. I think she got, a little, she got a little greedy, she said, too. She wanted those fire tokens. But I do think that this was, it was a misread for Sandra because I think there was a couple of different avenues that she could have taken, just like I talked about with Parvati. And again, I mean, this is, we're not out there, I'm not out there, but just kind of watching it and seeing what she could have done with this information and, and with the idol and all, and people with fire tokens. Jeremy clearly had fire tokens. And I know she wanted Jeremy gone. She could have very easily sent Jeremy home if she had just played the idol for Denise herself and voted for Jeremy. She could have done that. Um, but I don't think she wanted to shine the light on herself in that way. And I can hear you kind of hmm about that. So I, I, I don't think that that would have been a Sandra move to make. But that's just something she could have done. But I also feel like even if her idol is no longer going to be good after that tribal council. Nobody else knows that except Sandra. So, yes, she wanted to try to save Denise. And I don't know if she could have done this without, you know, giving Denise her idol, if Denise had just saved herself with her own idol, which Sandra didn't know. But I think that she ended up making herself the target by spinning her wheels and getting in Denise's head because Denise thought there's more here. There's something else happening. Like this is not as easy as it sounds. And it really was. I mean, Sandra just wanted fire tokens. That's all it really came down to. Denise didn't think that that's what it was. So if Sandra hadn't done that and just kept the idol, she could have utilized that to her benefit down the road. If she just showed people like, look, I have an idol. I mean, it's a, it's a legit idol. It's just the power is not good anymore. I mean, I feel like that could have been something she could have done with it later. Yeah, it is. And we'll, we'll, you know, in a minute here, we'll, we'll start getting into where my hmms were coming from. But <laughs> um, as far as the idol, I think one thing we have to remember is these are all winners. They're going to say, okay, you're showing me an idol. Let's see the paperwork. Oh, for sure. You know, now maybe I, I don't know if these things are dated or time stamped. So Sandra could have said, even though this one said it was only valid for three tribal councils, she could have said, oh, I only got it one tribal council. ago." Right. She could say so, she got it at the merge. You know, right. here's my Depend- merge idol. Now, again, unless they're time stamped, you know, or something like that. Right. You know? Like date stamp on it. Day two. Boom. But yeah, it, it, it's an interesting point. And it does, all of this does bring it into the second rule. Because with her go big or go home quote and the second rule saying not to scheme and plot too much, do you think this rule applied to her just a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a little bit, yes. I, I think that, I mean, here's Sandra, who her whole philosophy is anybody but me. And here we are in a situation where it is anybody but her. Everyone has decided they're going to vote out Denise. She's in the majority. She's in that perfect place where she needs to be to 
say, yeah, I'm not going home, even though I have this idol that's no longer going to be good and I don't have any fire tokens. That's still something that she could utilize later to negotiate with. She could still try to get fire tokens, even though it's a fake idol. They don't need to know that it's fake, right? I mean, these, this, is, <laughs> this is the way that you can manipulate people. And so she was sitting in an incredible spot where even though I love Denise and she's my winner pick and I'm so glad she didn't go home. You know, I really feel like this is one of those situations where, you know, Sandra even acknowledged it herself that she went against the, her normal course of play here and she tried to make a move and that it was a move she didn't even need to make because she was not mm-hmm. on the outs at all. Yeah, I mean, she had immunity. She had the majority. She was set for at least this vote and probably the next one if they were to lose again before the merge. But you know, she, I think she felt like she needed to put herself in an even better position on a more permanent basis. The way she went about it, though, was too convoluted mm-hmm. and relied far too heavily on Denise to do what she promised to do. Right. What she what she couldn't have known was that Denise picked Sandra as the one she wanted out first. And on top of that, Denise said in a thank you video on Twitter, no, I didn't trust Sandra. Yes, I wanted to solidify my relationship with Jeremy. It seems that Sandra severely underestimated how willing Denise was to play the game just as hardcore as anyone else. Oh, for sure. I mean, complete misread all around. And I, and I do think that it was that I, that she was in that comfortable place. That's, that's where Sandra was coming from. She was, had been with a tribe of people that were willing to protect Sandra because they had their own plans in place and they wanted to utilize her as a shield. And I think that was where this negotiation was coming from. Sandra, even though she wasn't acting like she was in charge, she was being made to feel so comfortable in the place that she was within the tribe that she didn't need to act like she was in charge. And I I feel like that probably caused her to feel more comfortable with Denise and feel like she could come at Denise in a different way because that's the way everyone else had been receptive to Sandra. You know, Sandra would talk and they would listen and they'd say, okay, and it would work. And, and everyone was kind of going along with the Sandra idea, even though she wasn't leading the charge. And here I feel like that's the same type of thing that was happening where she wanted to have this relationship with Denise. She wanted to make things happen, but she didn't want to make it seem like she was the one making them happen. And, and everyone else is willing to kind of take that on and say, okay, this is what Sandra suggested. So we're going to do that. And here, I think she tried to do the same thing with Denise and it completely backfired. Yeah. I mean, and that plays into the question of why Sandra went through this convoluted plan instead of just voting out Jeremy or even Tony, if, if that's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, in Los Angeles at the RHAP premier party, Sandra was vocally anti-edge of extinction, which, of course, I love. Uh, yeah, she said this was at least partially because she wanted to be able to vote somebody out pre-merge without having to worry about them making it to the jury and being mad. Now, this seems like it might partially explain why Sandra did the wheeling and dealing with Denise. Normally, she probably would have just voted out whoever and not worried about it. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to hide her vote. And part of it could be so they would never know that she was the one behind it. Right. Now, the, the, the thing is, though, I, I don't know how sound that logic was, because as it was discussed on the know-it-alls, if it had worked and then Denise were ever to join that person on the edge at a later time, 
Denise probably would have told him what happened and Sandra's maneuvering would have been revealed anyway. Oh, for sure. And even if this were to have worked and Denise and Sandra both go back to tribal and Jeremy is gone instead or Tony is gone instead, there's going to be discussions had. And I don't know if Denise necessarily would have kept it quiet that, well, Sandra's the one that I got an idol from Sandra and then the other one was mine just to throw Sandra under the bus. Even though it might have solidified their relationship for a little bit, who knows how long that would have lasted. And so I feel like at some point that information would have come back, whether it be from the edge or whether it be in the game with Sandra. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, it could have been that she didn't specifically care about the juror so much as her existing alliance. Mm -hmm. Because and this is this is the hmm part, (laughs) um, you know, mm, uh, that. I think Tony wanted Jeremy to stay, but Sandra didn't. So you were saying, well, if Sandra wanted to, she could have just voted Jeremy out. I don't think she could Mm. because I think Tony wanted him to stay. Right. And and Sandra didn't. And she didn't want to go openly against him. So she probably figured that this way, nobody in her alliance would have known that she turned on Tony either to go against what Tony wanted or to actually vote him out. Right. And I do think that that's a that's a solid point. There was some discussion that she um, talked about afterwards on the video that Mm -hmm. CBS posted just about that relationship and how she was a little bit jealous of the relationship between Tony and Jeremy. And so maybe there would have been a different path than that she could have taken with Denise. Focus on Tony then and don't focus on Jeremy if you don't really care if it's either of those two, because you have a concern with the relationship. Now I realize she's working with Tony, but if she wants to try to form a bond with Denise, she should be less concerned with Tony because she's clearly going to be turning her back on, on that Alliance. So maybe she scoops up Jeremy if she focuses her attention on Tony. Yeah. Now, because like in our preseason podcast, we said pregame alliances might not be worth anything. So far, the Yule, Nick, and Michelle one has held. We'll see what happens next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with this move, Sandra was trying to go against her own pregame alliance, at least, you know, with Tony while trying to retain trust. Right. Yeah. I, so, there's there's so many potential paths she could have gone down. Right. <laughs> Most of which would not have resulted in this outcome. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. and that's why I think we're all kind of left scratching our heads yeah. here because it's it there there was she was in a position of complete control and she didn't need to do anything. She could have just left right. it alone. And this right. is very un Sandra like to see her do this. Yeah. Now, uh, Stephen, just to hit one more point before we move on to Parvati for this rule. Steven said on know-it-alls that maybe Denise wouldn't have voted out Sandra if they hadn't made the deal of one fire token now, one later, meaning Denise saved herself a fire token. And while I admire Denise's negotiating skills for getting you know 50% off, basically, it's pretty clear that she was voting out Sandra anyway, and this was just a bonus for her. Oh, for sure. So, I, Yeah, I don't think it was any part of the reason there. I love that she managed to do that, too. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll give you one, (laughs) and then one later. Yeah, good for Denise. Yeah. Now, this rule wasn't nearly as big an issue with Parvati, though she did go against it at least somewhat in terms of not keeping her scheming with Rob and Ethan secret. 
it's an interesting situation because clearly we talked about this you know, a few weeks ago. Danny thought she was closer to Rob, that Danny herself was closer to Rob, such that she could get him to turn on Parvati. But the others seemed to know that you know Parvati was tight with the two old school guys. Some of this with Ethan was unavoidable because their friendship outside the game was known, but she could have tried to downplay the alliance with Rob even more. In the end, it it really didn't matter. though. Yeah, and I think that Parvati was very aware of this even before the game started. I mean, in one of her pregame interviews, she talked about being out of the loop for so long and that, you know, she's actually soft. She hardly even knows what's going on in this game anymore. And the only reason that she was able to get to the end of Heroes versus Villains was because she had someone who was willing to risk his life for her. And she says, I don't have that this time. Nobody's even willing to work with me or even talk to me. I'm a lone force and you can use me as a vote. So I, I feel like she had this, not a defeatist attitude, but she had to come into this game completely differently than she's played the other times because she was very aware of what she was up against. And I think the fact that here's Boston Rob kind of throwing her a bone and being like, hey, you want to work with me? She couldn't help but be excited about that prospect because one, it's Boston Rob, who's obviously the other very large target out there. And he wants to work with her and that they did not work together the last time they played together. So this was, I think, a, a very enticing invitation for her. And it's one that she had to really grab onto and and run with because I think her options were so limited and she was very aware of that coming into this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, before we go to the rest of the rules, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors if there are any for your area. If not, we'll be back even quicker. We're back. And next up is the third rule, which talks about being flexible. Sandra, as she's always been the epitome of flexibility Mm -hmm. she could have easily gone with anybody but me and we've already mentioned this a couple times you know leading up to this rule instead she tried to drive the action Uh, indeed that video you mentioned that she had on twitter from survivor i think you may have mentioned this already she said she decided to switch it up on that very point and it screwed her Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that she Maybe she wanted to, I don't know, like maybe this is her being flexible. <laughs> She's no longer following her own rule of thumb, which is anybody but me. I don't know. Maybe that's her being flexible and her being flexible is, is what ultimately led to her getting voted out. I, I uh, No, I, I think I, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. She's being flexible in her own, in the way she normally approaches the rule. Right. But since she normally, or, or the game, she normally approaches it with maximum flexibility. So the only thing she can be doing is decreasing her flexibility. Right. But it's it's this whole weird convoluted thing because yes, she really is that person that is like, I don't care who it is. As long as it's not Sandra, I will put anybody's name down. And Yeah. yeah, she didn't do that this time. So it's, it's interesting to see that that's that her desire to be flexible in her gameplay is unfortunately, you know, what caused her to be voted out really. Right. I mean, well, we're not there yet. I know. But, uh, but yeah, she should have just kept going with the flow. You know, that's how she managed to make it that far without drawing any attention like Rob, Tyson, Amber, and Parvati. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she tried to switch things up in a way that made her less flexible 
And that, oh, no, don't ever do that. Yeah. Well, and there was an issue, too. Um, it was a couple of votes ago. I can't remember. But I know that there was, Tony was trying to get her to have this idea that we're going to keep every all of the, the shields together. I think it was the Tyson vote. And she was really kind of locked into Tyson going home. And there was some discussion about Sandra's really not desirous of voting out anybody but Tyson. And if this is what Sandra wants, and that's what we're going to do. And so we we did see a little bit of Sandra kind of digging in her heels on a previous vote. And that was with Tyson. But still, that mm-hmm. was a vote that I think did benefit her. And it also was one that people could all get behind. So, you know, in that sense, it wasn't so much of her not being flexible, but it was a little less flexible than we've seen from her previous gameplay. And then here, obviously, it was completely different than what everybody wanted to do. Right, right. Now, when it comes to Parvati, she is literally an example I've used for this rule uh, from her prior play. Uh, In the rules, I talk about how she was almost always in control of what was going on and thus able to choose her final opponents in Micronesia because part of this rule is to have your finger on the pulse of what everybody's thinking. When I interviewed her after her win and asked what she saw on TV that surprised her, she laughed and told me, I knew pretty much everything that was going on all the time. I was very good about being everywhere at once. This time, though, Parvati couldn't be in that role because of the target that she was wearing from the moment she arrived. It's hard to have your finger on the pulse of the whole tribe when the whole tribe is working against you. For sure. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, I wonder if that's why she was so upset about Wendell, because he wasn't even pretending to give her any information she could work with. Yeah, I think that this was a much different place for her to be playing Survivor from, because when you have the ability that or you're known for your ability to form relationships with people and to really um utilize kind of your i don't know your likability factor i mean people always talk about how she was she was very likable as you know and that she was able to create relationships with with people that other people weren't able to create relationships with. I mean, you've got Russell Hance, you know, as, as someone that nobody really wanted to be forming a bond with, and she was able to utilize that to her benefit to such an extreme level. I mean, it got her to the final three and she acknowledges that fact. I mean, she really was able to use people in a way that it seemed uncanny that people were able to, or that she was able to get people to agree to things that, that she was suggesting or to be part of certain votes, or to be part of um, plans that were concocted. But she was always able to pull it off. And it was really because she just has this likability about her that, unfortunately, here, even though she's still likable, I feel like that part of poverty has been lost because everyone knows that that's what's happening. And Wendell wasn't having it, and he was not interested in, in, in having that relationship with her. And I feel like it's it's almost like her game was so well known that even when she was trying to shift it and change it and present herself differently, you know, as a mom and I'm, I'm not that flirt that I was before and I'm not going to utilize that part of me to, you know, gain trust in someone anymore. It just unfortunately left her in an even more difficult spot because you've already got people that don't want to play with you because you've got this huge target. And now you're having to play your game completely differently because everybody knows what to expect of you. Right, right. 
All right. Uh, we can move on to the fourth rule, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. When we saw that Sandra was mad at Rob at the start of the season, many of us thought this would come into play, but it never really did. Mm. Uh, maybe it'll happen on the edge. Who knows? But there was a situation where Sandra's emotions apparently came into play, and you already brought it up. Because in that Survivor Twitio, tw- Twitio? <laughs> I guess that's what you call it. It's a Twitter video. It's a Twitio. I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm patenting that, so don't you Twitter people uh, go, go steal that. Uh, anyway, she said she wanted Jeremy gone because he was bonding with Tony, and she admitted that she must have been jealous. Mm-hmm. Now, we could say that it was a strategic decision to try to separate the two. But when she flat out used the word jealous, I don't think we have much wiggle room here. She let her emotions get the best of her, at least partially, despite saying earlier in the season, I've never allowed emotion to control my game. Right, for sure. No, I do think that this was a a different, again, this is a different Sandra. This is not the Sandra that we're Mm -hmm. used to seeing. And this was a Sandra who was responding to a relationship that she had forged with someone and was concerned that it was going to have an effect on her. This it really is a new a new level of Sandra. And and it was interesting to kind of see it all culminate in one episode. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I never thought we'd we'd see something like that. But hey, she's human. She is for sure. And I actually appreciate that we're seeing such a a shift in a lot of these players. I mean, I know that um, a lot of them have come back and they're, you know, it's so many years, 10 years later, 15 years later, they're, they're parents, they have families, they've lived a life and now they have to come back and play this game again. And I do think that we are seeing their, their lives affect their games. And I think, you know, Sandra has, she's, been doing this for a very long time and she has a family and she's formed bonds with people. And I I think that you get to a point where you can't ignore that anymore. And I feel like maybe that's the Sandra we're seeing as kind of a softer side of Sandra and someone who is more desirous of forming those bonds and trying to keep them as opposed to manipulating that bond and using it in order for her to get to the end. I, it's just, it just seems like a, a, a shift, a, a very big shift. Yeah. And, you know, Parvati may have also had a problem here, which is not usual for her either. Mm-hmm. And, and now we already discussed this in the first rule. There was no logical reason for her to refuse Wendell's offer. Right. So the only reason I could think of is an emotional one. She seemed to be mad at him for not wanting to work with her or talk to her. So she wouldn't make the deal. Once again, I, I don't think he would have followed through on it anyway, but there was just no good objective reason for her to refuse as she was about to have her torch snuffed. For sure. And I, I think that this is another same exact type of thing we're seeing with Sandra, where there's this, she's uncomfortable with the fact that someone is not willing to play the game with her in the way that she's always been able to manipulate people in her previous seasons. And that's something that Parvati has been known for is her ability to form relationships with, with men and, and talk to them and and really kind of negotiate and manage to get them to do things that most people would not feel that they would be willing to do. I mean, one thing I thought was interesting in her, uh, she revealed in her EW interview was that um, she actually slept on top of James when they were uh, in her 
the season she won fans versus favorites, she managed to sleep right. on top of him because she didn't want to sleep in the dirt. Like she was able to convince James to let her sleep on top of him. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. And I feel yeah. I mean, we've we've seen the way James is built. He probably didn't even know. Oh, he probably didn't. Right. So it's one of those things that I, I feel like poverty has has flourished at at forming these types of you know relationships with people when she plays this game that that people watching go how does she manage to do that like how do you convince a guy that you're going to sleep on top of him so you don't have to sleep in the dirt you have to have some type of of a, a thing about you to to get people to go along with the, the the various things that we've seen poverty pull off and i feel like this season she just wasn't able to get there and it flipped her on her heels a little bit because this is not the the game that she was used to playing. I mean, she told you in the interview, she always knew what was going on because she talked to everybody and people were giving her information and she was really in control. And this is a, a poverty that was not in control. And I think that was really what it came down to with her and Wendell was this kind of shock factor. Like, how dare you? Like, how dare you not want to do this with me? And how dare you speak to me that way and, and not, and not want to play the game that I want to play. And I do think that it was an emotional response for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, moving on to the fifth rule, you kind of started moving there already because you, you know, it's about the social game. It reminds players they need to pretend to be nice. So you've already kind of said what you think about poverty in this regard. Is there anything you want to add? I know I jump all over and I apologize because I think some people don't enjoy that. <laughs> Especially you, David, with your rules. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry. I just I get so excited and there's so many things I want to say. But no, I do think that I do think that Parvati is has been known for her social gameplay and and the relationships she can create. And I've said enough about it. But yeah, so I do think that for her this season, her social game was not what it's been in previous seasons. She was able to formulate bonds with certain people. Michelle, she was able to create a bond with there. But I think for the most part, she was struggling with this for sure. Yeah. And that's exactly it. She did it where she could, but the problem was it didn't matter. You know, people liked her, but they still only wanted to use her as a shield. Mm -hmm. You know, even as Michelle was talking about how they became pretty much best friends out there, she also knew that she couldn't save Parvati and had to let her go for the good of her own game. So, you know, Parvati's social game, no matter how good it was, couldn't override the the overall threat that she posed. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, she was just she it, it was it was going to be used to people's benefit and not her own. Right. Now, Sandra, I think, found herself in a very similar position. Her social game was working pretty well for her, you know, also for most of the game. She had people on her side and it didn't seem like anyone was mad at her. But that doesn't mean they all wanted to keep her around either. And obviously Denise certainly didn't. Right. I think, again, this is the same exact thing that we've, we've seen with poverty is that no matter how good of a social game they wanted to play and tried to play, they could not get past who they were and who they were known to be in the survivor world. And really people were just going to utilize them for their benefit as long as they needed. Yeah. So um, that would be a really good seg into the sixth rule about, uh, you know, don't be too much of a threat. But we already covered that. We so uh, so we, we can uh, jump to the seventh rule, which covers idols and advantages. And we finally have something to talk about. Oh, for my this rule. goodness. We have so much to talk about for this. Yeah, rule. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's not a good something. No, it's really uh, not. you know. Yeah. Sandra had an immunity idol that had to be played in this tribal council. 
And she gave it away. I know. To the person who used it to vote her out. Uh, it's, terrible. Yeah, I, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. I, I mean... I understand somewhat what Sandra was doing here. She had something she felt she didn't need and which was going to expire. And she wanted to trade it for something she could use in the long run. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if you have a coupon that expires today and you can swap it with a friend for a coupon that you can use for another month. The, the difference is coupons don't vote you out of the grocery store. Right. That is very true. And we've seen very similar things happen in past seasons where there's been expirations on things, which mm -hmm. has caused people kind of a panic. Like, I have to use this, otherwise it's going to go bad, that they normally wouldn't have if there was no expiration placed on it. And I don't think she should have panicked because obviously there was no concern for her. She wasn't getting voted out. But I do think that that has an effect on people if they know that there's a limiting time in which they can use something i feel like the game kind of gets caught up in their head and it's like well i i have to use it i don't want to not use it i have to use it because it's going to expire but like i've already talked about since i like to skip around and again i apologize um she could have kept it and it just would have been an idol without power but maybe nobody would have known that it was an idol without power if she right. presented it in that fashion you know look at the note see what's written on the note is there some way that she can play it off and be like, I just found this idol and it's good for three tribals. I mean, maybe that could have bought her time through the merge. Who knows? But unfortunately, I think that expiration really got caught in her head. Yeah. I mean, she was just on Island of the Idols. Mm -hmm. She should have seen how bad an idea it could be to try to make something creative happen just because you have an expiring idol. She didn't learn the lesson of Kelly Kim. Right. You know, that that idol was burning a hole in her pocket and she just had to use it somehow. Mm -hmm. Ironically, and you said this earlier about how she was comfortable and that may have gotten the better of her. She'd have been better off if she had been swapped into the minority because then she'd have used her idol. Right. Right. For sure. And that's the you know, that is, I think, part of what this game does to people is that it's not just one component. There's not just one thing happening. You have Sandra, who is in the majority, and she has an idol. So she has everything working for her at that moment. You know, there's there's no reason for her to panic. There's no reason for her to do anything when you know that you are in that place where you don't need to worry. But there's one thing that we hear, like kind of a resonating theme when people talk about being on Survivor, is that when you start to feel comfortable is when you, not, you need to worry. And I don't think that she was in that spot, though, even though she was comfortable, there was still no need for her to worry because she had everything kind of working for her at that point. Everyone was on the same page. We're voting out Denise. She had an idol that she could have played just because she could have just said, hey, you know what, everybody, just so you know, this is expiring today. It's the last day I can use it. I'm playing it just in case because mm -hmm. I have to. And then it doesn't exactly. even look like it's a problem, you know, because she's doing it because she has to. And, you know, so she's not burning an idol. She's just playing it because it's expiring on that tribal council. And she's still with her majority and votes out my winner pick, who hopefully plays her own idol. And then somebody else goes home. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It would have been. Yeah, that would have been interesting to see what would have happened there. But I mean, I don't know that it would have been as interesting as what ended up happening. 
Right. Uh, well, I mean, if that you know. if that had happened, if if she had played her idol and if Denise by some chance had voted for Sandra. So then they are both immune at that point, And then it goes to the other three and there's a revote. Yeah, unless unless Denise, sorry, I'm I'm kind of piecing this together in my own mind. Unless Denise knows that she's playing an idol for herself and suspects the votes are coming her way. So she votes Jeremy. Right. You know, or she talks to Jeremy and they both vote, you know, either Tony or Kim. Right. So, but anyway, uh, that's, you know, none of that happened. No, none of that happened. Uh, But it's, it's an interesting thing that could have happened if Sandra had just kind of looked at this differently, because even in that circumstance, if Sandra had decided, I'm not, I'm not going to tell Denise about my idol. I'm just going to play it. No one's going to know that I'm playing it because in that situation, Denise might very well have just said, I'm going to vote out Sandra because I'm playing an idol. If everybody's voting for me, Mm -hmm. unless she thought somebody really did vote for Jeremy. But at that point, she's only got one idol. She has to save herself. So, you know, maybe she throws a Sandra vote down and Sandra plays her idol too. And then we find ourselves in a situation where all of the votes are, void at that point and they have to revote right. who knows yeah yeah so that's uh yes that you know that, so, some other alternate universe where Sandra right that we'll uh, never this, see you know, <laughs> that's right now uh moving on from sandra to parvati she only had an idle nullifier which was absolutely useless to her except maybe as an offer of trade like you already mentioned and of course she had fire tokens now, we've already discussed at least a couple times how she should have made the trade with Wendell, so I don't need to harp on that any further. Do you have any other thoughts about Parvati in this rule? Uh, I think you want me to start harping on things I've already harped on. So. <laughs> well, I, I was talking about myself. <laughs> no, but I do agree. I do agree that this is something that she could have potentially negotiated with anybody in addition to Wendell. Sitting at tribal mm-hmm. council, when you know you've got something like that. And I will say, I mean, I sat in that very same seat and had something I could have negotiated with. And I, that is not where my brain went at that moment in time. So maybe her brain did not go down the, I have this idle nullifier. I could use that to my advantage too, and try to negotiate it, but it would have been fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to appendix a, which is about the rest of the tribe, keeping their end goals in mind when voting and usually follows the path of voting out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. But, you know, in a normal season at this point, the swap tribe should either be voting out the weak so they have a reduced chance of going back to tribal council. Or if there are a couple people outside the main alliance, they should be targeting them to prepare for the impending merge. Both tribes did this right in general. You you had Yule, Nick and Wendell getting rid of Parvati while Tony and Kim tried to boot Denise while even Jeremy joined in there. So only one person. Sandra took their eye off the ball for all the reasons we've already talked about. Literally everyone else did what they were supposed to do for this appendix, Mm -hmm. which makes this a rare case when we are actually discussing the person voted off rather than the rest of the tribe here. Right. Yeah. Because we were curious how this was all going to come together when you've got a swap and you do have the minority versus the majority and are people going to maintain their, their, their side, if you will. And they were all maintaining their side and Sandra didn't. So yeah, it it was interesting to see Mm -hmm. that they were all utilizing that long-term plan 
and that we have the numbers, we're sticking with it. But yeah, Sandra was flipping the script and trying to do something different. And she got flipped off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's about time to uh, wrap things up if I'm making jokes like that. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts on Poverty and Sandra is that we really did see a different side of each of these ladies from what we have normally seen. You know, Parv is someone that I I feel was so cutthroat. I mean, and I have talked about how we were able to see her manipulate people in her previous games, you know, sleeping on top of James, she didn't have to sleep in the dirt. Uh, she led the Black Widow Brigade and managed to pull off one of the most epic moments in Survivor. Sorry, Eric Reckenbach, but I'm going to mention you here, you know, to give up his immunity necklace. And she's just done so many incredible things as far as her ability to create relationships and bonds. And that's not what we saw this time. And I think Sandra, the same thing, you know, the anyone but me philosophy. She was always willing to yell. She was willing to fight. She hid machetes. She got rid of food. She burned Russell Hans's hat. I mean, this is someone who was willing to, to go to any extreme in order to get herself to the end. And she managed to win twice. So I think we've had two individuals here that have played this game so well in their previous seasons. And people know how well they play the game. That coming into this game for each of them, I would... I almost feel like they were struggling to find themselves and try to figure out how to play in this new realm, if you will. You have 20 people who are all winners. They all know how I play the game. They all know what I do. How am I going to fit myself into this new version? And how am I going to formulate my game plan with these people who already know what my game plan consists of? And I think, unfortunately, Parvati struggled with this the most because I do think that she was targeted very early on and she struggled formulating those relationships and bonds with people. And she really needed to latch on to those few people or a couple of people, really, that gave her an olive branch and said, hey, come work with me. And it only worked so long because obviously she was swapped and she was swapped into the minority and had one person with her, but not enough. And I think Sandra was on the flip side of that, you know, where Sandra had a lot of people who were willing to work with her because they knew what protection that she could provide to them. And it was working amongst those people that she was with. Yule kind of leading that charge of, I want to keep Sandra around because she's my shield. And I've got all of these minions, if you will, that are willing to work with me. And we're going to keep Sandra with us. And so I think she found herself in a place that allowed her to stay longer because of the people she was working with. So it was like both of these women were coming at the game, trying to fit themselves into this group of people and both had a different response because of the people that they were playing with. Harvey struggled, Sandra didn't, but unfortunately they both ended up getting voted out. I think because poverty was never in that place of comfort she needed to be in. And Sandra was in that place of comfort that you don't ever want to be in Survivor because when you get too comfortable, you get yourself voted out. So it was this kind of weird situation where they both found themselves playing the game in a much different way than they've ever played it before. And it didn't work out for either of them, I think, because of that. Yeah, Parvati and Sandra both came into the game with with bullseyes on them. Sandra's was a bit larger, but she was also likely viewed as someone who could more easily be dealt with later in the game 
while Parvati drew more attention right away. Both of them seemed to be doing fine in their original tribes, but Parvati was really in the same position as we described for Rob last week. She appeared to be okay, but that was only because the others were allowing her to feel that way. Once she left the safety of that group, she was in trouble. Sometimes it's possible to find a crack to talk your way into a good situation, but with the threat level she represented, she just couldn't strategize or charm her way around it. Sandra was in an opposite situation. She was perfectly safe if she had just stuck to the plan. More than safe, in fact, since she had both the majority and an idol that had to be played this week. But Sandra overthought it. Anyone but me became, I need to get that specific guy. She tried to switch things up in a way that made her less flexible when flexibility had been her superpower throughout her previous seasons. She trusted the wrong person, and in her own words, talking about Denise, said, she got me, she played me. This time around, it felt miserable knowing I had an idol and knowing I gave it to my enemy because of greed. She later concluded, I did it to myself. Indeed, the theme song to our podcast says, we will break down the rules and show you how you played yourself and got voted out. And that's exactly what happened here. Both of the women we lost this week had a lot to overcome even in an all-winter season. Sandra said it herself at Tribal Council. Some people are seen as bigger threats than others, and it's more difficult for those players to overcome it, as we expected before the season even began. Parvati wasn't able to do it and didn't take the one opportunity that might have given her a chance, even if it was a very small chance. While Sandra overschemed to the point of getting played by someone who used her own lower threat level to engender trust. And that is why Parvati and Sandra lost. Excellent. Ah, now, before we get to our predictions, I do want to remind everyone that the uh, second printing of our poster is now available, as we mentioned earlier. It covers all the rules, and it has Parvati on it. it so, does. you know, so, uh, as a matter of fact, the, the exact situation you described, you know, with, uh, with, with uh, her, them, her plotting and uh, scheming there with her group uh, against poor Eric, who uh, was the one who, you know, made the post. So, uh, <laughs> I know it really is kind of funny, right? Yeah. I shouldn't laugh. So, uh, yeah, go to uh, tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Now mm. it's time for predictions. Uh, and uh, should, I, should I make you go first or should I go first? Well, I know that you're more prepared at this end. Most of the time you're more prepared anyway. But, but this is my struggle. Is obviously we find ourselves in a very strange, like it's a four, 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 right? So I don't, everyone is, is up against that. It could be a two-way tie on, on each of them, mm-hmm. which makes me very uncomfortable. So you have to kind of, you know, look at the, who's the outlier. And Oh God, I hate this. I really, really hate well, see, this so much. See what you do, what you do is you just figure out who's going to lose and then you only have to do it for one try. Right. Which, so, and, and which I, but here's the thing though, is I feel like you have, you have great strengths in different people and different tribes. I and mean, we saw, you know, Sophie killed it on that weird, you know, game that they mm-hmm. had to end with I Puzzle mean maze. yeah like that was incredible she did great so that's like something that you're not necessarily expecting 
that she's going to do so well there. And I think overall, like they're pretty even as far as strength wise and, and the abilities that they all show. So I don't know who's going to lose, but my gut is telling me something. And I'm so I'm just going to go with my gut because this is okay. this is where my gut with looking at the, the divisions of four. We've seen so much of Tony and how everyone is enjoying Tony so much and everyone is really liking this version of Tony that I feel like um, Kim and Denise and Jeremy are going to come together and going to vote out Tony. Okay. Okay. Now, what I was going to say about that tribe, well, what I still will say about that tribe, is that often when someone makes a big move like Denise did, they end up being the next to go. Mm. But I don't think that's going to happen this time. Uh, because if that tribe goes to tribal council, I think you're right. I think Kim would flip like we thought she would, you know, this time. Mm -hmm. And that would mean Tony gets the boot, which would be very sad. It would be sad. But I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think they're going to lose the next challenge. Okay. So I think the tribe of Yule, Wendell, Nick, and Michelle are going to be the ones who lose the next challenge. Uh, Steven tweeted during the past episode that Wendell's massive visibility spike, almost all of which was negative, meant he would either be going in that episode or this coming week. Interesting. And I'd, say it's, I, I'd say it's possible because there was that pregame alliance of Yule, Nick, and Michelle. Right. But I still don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I keep leading you down. The <laughs> you path, do. Yeah. This is, I, I, this is intense. <laughs> so I, I just think there's been too much work put into the overall alliance by Yule, and he's not going to let a pregame discussion cause him to look bad to the rest of his allies at the merge. You know, how does he explain having a solid majority and voting out Wendell? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, I think it's Michelle. I think Michelle will follow Parvati and that's who we'll say goodbye to. Mm, sad too. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. Ugh, I hate doing the predictions. I hate it. Well, I know. <laughs> I force you to do it. You do. Eat your veggies too. I know. Yeah. And apparently I need to go and order better. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's so hard for me because I mean, as people could probably tell. I mean, I know you love Survivor. I love Survivor. And there's so many things that I want to talk about. It's hard for me to keep myself focused because there's so much here that is worth discussing. Notes. That's why there's notes. <laughs> you know. Is that what those are? Oh, yeah. Damn it. Listen, I'm busy, okay? <laughs> there's, I have some notes. There's a few pages <laughs> here. I wrote some stuff uh, how, down. How convenient that you do you say that on an audio podcast when you can't show anyone. You know what? Maybe I'll, I'll take a picture and I'll post it on Twitter and you'll see my notes. Oh, yeah. Like that's not set up. Okay. <laughs> it's not at all. It could be anything. It could be anything. That's true. But there's, I do have like, I have maybe four pages of notes. Wow. See, okay. I did. I have some notes here. Listen, I, right. I hope that, you know, listeners enjoy it. <laughs> yes. You're more prepared, and I'm like the color person, right? That's right. That's right. You're the color commentator. Yep. So there we are. <laughs> All right. Well, as we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. You know, 
this is, I, I've said it before, this is a great time to sign up and become a patron with season 40 going on. There's just so much happening. Well, okay. I guess I would say there would be so much happening if we weren't all like locked in our houses. I know. But there's still a lot ha- happening online too. Uh, I, I have mentioned before, Rob, you know, just started a new patron only call in show uh, before each episode. And he already does at least five patron only uh, shows a month. Those are call in plus a weekly Q and a show with his wife, Nicole. So, you know, it, you may be locked in, but you can call and talk to Rob. So, uh, you know, of course, there's also discounts and first access to live show tickets whenever we can go outside again. And, you know, there's even when it's not during a uh, a Facebook call in or any sort of call in show, there's also the Facebook groups where there's a great community of people who want to talk about Survivor, Big Brother, etc. Uh, and including, of course, both of us are there. Yes. And it is a so, wonderful group of people who are truly dedicated to these programs that really love to talk about it, that really love to be informed and also provide their insights and their ideas. So it is a wonderful community of people. So if you want to join, I would really hope that you would, not only for the benefits that come with it, if you want to buy tickets and getting discounts on different things, but just being part of that community. It's a wonderful community, a wonderful group of people. So you should definitely join. Yeah. And uh, so that remember, you can go to robhaswebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello. But that's not the only place people can say hello to us, is it? No, they can also follow us on Twitter. You are at David Bloomberg and I am at Jessica Lewis 89. You should follow us both. Then you get both sides of the discussion. And also we do live tweet during the shows. We spend time during the week also posting various things, not only about Survivor, but some other fun things. So you should follow us both again at David Bloomberg and at Jessica Lewis 89. All right. So for the hashtag, do you have any thoughts? Oh, geez. Sadness. The one that we kept talking about. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss both of them. Un- uh, unfortunately, hashtag sadness right now will not. Oh, be I know that's not, that's not a good idea. Um, you know, one thing we kept talking about, and I know this only applies to Sandra, but they, you know, there weren't really any uh, good things that overlapped uh, was less flexible. Yeah. Well, I mean, Parvati could have been more flexible in her negotiating with Wendell. True. Right? So. True. So, all right. So we'll go with less flexible. It's not an exciting hashtag, but there you have it's it. It's really not that exciting, uh, it, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> uh, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, which is YX Lost. Uh, also, make sure you're subscribed to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor. Or it's usually easier to just do it on your phone, on your favorite podcatcher. We are also on the reality TV wrap ups feed in both places. You can find great content like the know-it-alls, the wiggle room, the B and B this week in survivor and much more. So um, I think with that, we can say thank you, right? Yes, we can. (laughs) And we should. (laughs) So we have to say thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing on this podcast. So thank you so much, Scott. You do a great job. And also thanks to Will from America for the incredible theme song, which I believe you did reference as part of the podcast there. And thank you, David, for being, you know, tolerant of me and my podcasting (laughs) abilities. I do appreciate it very much. This is always a lot of fun. And um, I thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Well, thank you for another great week. And, uh, you know, we'll work on numbers. So, uh, you know, you've you've got some homeschooling to do, I guess. (laughs) 
have to follow my rule list a little bit more closely. That's right. <laughs> See, that's when you did the video, you had the poster right there. So it was easy. I know. So. I, I keep a list right next to me of all the rules. I really do. Like <laughs> rule one, it, all the way you know down to the appendix. But sometimes I like to skip around a little bit. That's right. Sometimes you just got to go with the You got to keep right? people guessing, right? That's right. You've got to be more flexible, not less flexible. There you go. Not, not hashtag less flexible. There. David Bloomberg, you need to be hashtag more flexible. Except, you know. For the, <laughs> but, uh, All right. So thank you, David. Yeah, sure. Thank you. And uh, everybody, we will see you right back here in one week. Bye. Bye. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and we'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.